In April, I planted a few seeds. I fussed, I watered, I weeded, I coddled. Today, I eat a tomato. Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark. By the middle of August in Maine, it's not just the phenology that tells us the colder months are imminent, but the outside air, especially around sunrise. It holds that unique chill that we did not experience a month ago, and a certain lack of humidity that tells us that fall is most certainly around the next corner. But before you panic in thinking that summer is over, rest assured that we will still surely have a few more heat waves and another batch of beautiful late summer flowers to enjoy before the leaves change and give us our last splash of color before the grayscale of winter. One of the most abundant late summer flowers is the topic of today's feature, goldenrod. Given goldenrod's abundance in open areas, such as fields, you can surely find some to observe closely. The first thing to look for is a goldenrod yellow inflorescence, or flowerhead, located at the top of the plant. Goldenrod inflorescences can have a bit of a Dr. Seuss look about them. They are a little sprawly and flop-topped, usually off to one side. This member of the aster family has two types of flowers, both disc flowers, like what you'll find in the center of a sunflower, and ray flowers, which you'll find composing a dandelion inflorescence. So if you look closely at that goofy, asymmetrical, goldenrod flowerhead, you can observe both types of these characteristic aster flowers. You might even find a goldenrod crab spider, which can change color depending on its background, so it can perfectly lie in wait for some insect prey. The green parts of the plant, while seemingly nondescript to the untrained eye or nose, have one particular defining characteristic. When I see goldenrod without a flower and I want to be doubly sure that it really is a goldenrod plant that I'm looking at, I crush and smell one of the somewhat hairy long leaves. If it really is goldenrod, it will smell wild and spicy, just like carrots. Additionally, the leaves are arranged alternately, as opposed to opposite each other, along a stiff single stem that tends to get no higher than three or so feet tall. You'll rarely find goldenrod by itself as it spreads by rhizomes, so look for more nearby. If you're a person who suffers from spring allergies, but you get relief during the heat of summer, you might be edging into another bout of allergies now. This new flush of flowers launches new pollen in the air, which can be irritating to some. Goldenrod has a bad reputation for causing these late-season allergies, but it's actually unlikely that they're the primary cause. Because goldenrod is insect-pollinated, its pollen is quite sticky so that it is more likely to stick to adventurous or probing insects and not take to the wind readily. Ragweed, on the other hand, which also blooms right around when goldenrod does, is wind-pollinated, so its pollen is specifically adapted to fly around through the air, much more likely to fly up your nose. Not only is goldenrod not the most likely culprit for these late-season allergies, it has historically been used to combat maladies like hay fever and urinary tract infections due to its antihistamine and anti-inflammatory properties. The genus of the many species of goldenrod that exist around the world is Solidago, which in Latin means to make whole, a reference to goldenrod's many medicinal uses. Goldenrod even has been used as a natural dye, and the larvae that can be found in the various round galls that are especially noticeable during winter on this plant have been used as ice fishing bait. So the next time you're outside, you could find some goldenrod to observe. If they're not blooming yet in your area, you could rub and sniff some leaves to see which ones smell like carrots, and make a note to look for the yellow flowers soon. If they are blooming in your area, 
You could try to differentiate between the Astor family's characteristic ray and disc flowers found in the flower head and count how many different insects you can find on a single plant. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, references, contact information, photos, and information about how to subscribe to this show as a podcast by visiting archives.weru.org. Have a nature question that you want us to answer in our show? Simply reach out to us. Theme music was by a pileated woodpecker made available by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phenology.